Turn with me to two openings, please, this morning. Matthew 9 and Mark 9. In Matthew 9, it's the account of uh, two blind men that came to Jesus and cried out to him to have mercy on them. And Matthew 9, 28, Matthew 9, 28, when Jesus was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? Talking about the healing of their eyes. And, and they said to him, Yes, Lord. So they are saying they believe in the ability, the power of God. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now you might think, since he asked them, Do you believe I am able? That he would have said, according to my ability, then. Do you believe in the power? You believe in the ability? Yes. Well, then, according to the power that you believe in. But no, it's not what he said. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. It refers to what? What they want. They want healing. They want a miracle. And he's saying, this is how the miracle you want is going to happen. It's going to happen how? According to your faith. Not according to the anointing that's on me. Not according to my faith. Not according to God's will. But according to your faith. Now the church, by and large, the church has changed this. Has changed this. I mean, nine out of ten churches you might go to and ask the leadership or ask their ministers or the ministers that taught them, and they're going to work it around to where, I don't care if it's healing or if it's your finances or whatever, pray if it be thy will. And how's it going to happen? Well, if it happens, it was the will of God. What if it didn't happen? Well, it must not have been the will of God. So how's it going to happen? According to the will of God. Is this what millions of church-going people believe? But that's not what Jesus said. And this is not an Have you read the Bible enough to know this is not an isolated verse? How many times did Jesus look at people and say, As you have believed, your faith has made you whole. According to your faith. I mean over and over again. Not one time, not one time did he say according to the will of God. Not one time did he ever tell somebody, sorry, God's working something out in your life with this. So it's not the will of God. Not one time. If you can't, in order for something to be scriptural, what do you need for it? Scriptures. And if you can't even find one scripture for it, should it be the main doctrine you hold? Now there's reasons why things are this way. The enemy fears faith. He fears it. Because he knows what it can do. And so he has pushed these wrong doctrines. You know the Bible talks about doctrines of demons? Well, you don't need to go to a Satanist church. To hear a doctrine of demons. 
<laughs> and this is one of the biggest things about the devil. When people hear about demons, they think Hollywood. Some horror show that they saw in some monster, uh, you know. No, 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 no. The reality is completely different. The scripture says that Satan transforms himself not into a fire-breathing monster, but an angel of light. He passes himself off as a messenger from God. And it says his messengers, his ministers, do the same thing, acting like him. His method of operation is to try to convince you that something that's from him is actually from God. But thank God the scripture says we're not ignorant of his devices and we got the Holy Spirit in us and we got the Holy Word that he authored. And if we'll be diligent to stay in this book and, and receive what he tells us, we won't be easily duped and misled. We'll recognize and say, oh, no, 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 that's not from God. I know you're trying to pass it up. And how many know the devil quotes scriptures? Didn't he quote scriptures to Jesus in the wilderness temptation? Just because somebody's quoting a scripture doesn't mean that what they're saying is right. The scripture is right. But what they're trying to make it say can be totally wrong. Misapplied. The scriptures must be rightly divided. Hmm? You can't divide a number by itself. If you're dividing something, it's by another number. How do you rightly divide scriptures? By other scriptures. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Don't accept a doctrine that's based on half of a scripture you don't understand. Amen. Yes, sir. If it's really God, you'll find it throughout the scriptures. There'll be multiple places where it's obvious. And, you know, so many wrong doctrines would have been prevented if people would have just read the next verse. Or the rest of the chapter or the three that came before. You know what I'm talking about? Keep it in context and don't get legalistic. You know, the Lord asked me this one time. I, I'm a minister and I'm a teacher and I study. And so I, sometimes I, I delve in, you know, fairly extensively. And uh, the Lord said to me one time, I was reading uh, something in Ephesians. And uh, I was into the fourth level of word study on it. And the Lord said, you remember that's a letter from me to you. I thought, yeah. He said, if a friend of yours wrote you a letter, do you read it with a dictionary? (laughs) Do you take every word and take it apart? See, you can do that and miss what they're saying to you. Beware of being legalistic and too mechanical with definitions the important thing is to get the spirit of it. And in order to do that, you need to read the whole thing from front to back and get the flow of it. The important thing is get the spirit of it. It was said that Brother Smith Wigglesworth, whom God used mightily many years ago, didn't have any kind of education to speak of, couldn't even write his name. His wife, Polly, taught him how to write his name and stuff. And, and so when he could learn to write a little bit, it was still very rough and one fellow said, uh, 
he said he sent him a letter and he said, uh, next time he saw him, he said, Brother Wigglesworth, did you realize you spelled Holy Spirit about eight different ways in that letter? <laughs> and he, he said, but did you understand it? He said, yeah. He said, that's all. That's all. Did you understand it? Well, I think that's the big deal. Did you understand it? You can get caught up in details and, and really miss it. Miss the whole deal. Miss the main thing that was being said. <laughs> Where are you? Matthew 9. Go to Mark 9, please. Mark 9. This is the account of the, uh, the man that brought his son, who was having seizures and was tormented, to the disciples to get him delivered and healed. And, and they did everything they needed to do, prayed and rebuked and bound and cast, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. And uh, Jesus came down from the mount. And the crowd was in an uproar. And the man brought his son to Jesus. And in Mark 9, 22, he said, Oft times it's cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if you, talking about the man to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Why would he say, if you can do anything? Now see, Jesus asked those two men, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he said, according to your faith. Well, here the man says, if you can do something, have compassion on us and help us. Why? Well, one thing, he just got through bringing him to Jesus' disciples. And they were not able to help the boy. You know, I don't care who, what ministers you're talking about. Just because... They prayed for you or they ministered to you. You didn't see the results you wanted. That does not prove that it wasn't God's will for it to happen. And you know something that the Lord quickened to me just this past week. People in our circles, what we call faith people, word people. We accept that we have a responsibility to have faith and believe God. But the enemy has used that against many of us as well. To work with people to receive condemnation because I haven't already received this or I'm not already at this place financially or material or my faith's not where or the results are not where. And that's a trick of the enemy because that condemnation is the very thing that's destroying your faith. If our heart condemns us, well, the scripture said, actually, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. Well, that means if your heart does condemn you, you don't have confidence toward God. Condemnation is a confidence killer. It's a faith destroyer. And the enemy knows this. And instead of being condemned, being embarrassed, being ashamed, because we're still dealing with a symptom or still dealing with a bill or a debt... That's actually keeping us back from reaching the goal. Recognize the tactic of the enemy. We don't have to be condemned that we're not already there. We can be inspired that we're getting there. We're, we're headed that way. We know how to get there and we're not going to quit till we get there. Well, I've been standing for X amount of years. You know how long that is? God time? To him, a hundred uh, years is just a couple of hours. Yeah. Right. 
We need to get a better perspective on him. And he reminded me of this. How many of you have respect for the apostles of the Lamb? Peter, James, John, Matthew, these guys. Huh? How many of you think highly of them? Well, they messed up. Did the Lord ever tell them, where's your faith? Is that right? Why'd you doubt? Well, we're in good company. I said, we're in good company. They made it through. We're making it through too. Is that right? Instead of kicking yourself and receiving condemnation and feeling bad. Well, I, why don't I already have this? That's a trick of the enemy. Come on, are you listening? That's a trick of the enemy. Well, if you had faith, if you had faith, if you had faith. If you buy into that, you're agreeing with him. You don't have faith. That's right. I need to say that real slow over here on the other side too. If you had faith, if you had faith, well, I, I just I, I don't I don't have the faith that I need. I don't have the faith that I need. Faith would say it does. That's not how faith talks. Faith even calls those things that be not as though they were. Is that right? And it's not based on anything you're seeing or feeling. And God is not the most excited when all the symptoms are gone. He's not the most pleased when the money's in the account and all the bills are paid. Faith pleases Him and your faith is the strongest when you don't see a thing. You You feel the wrong things, you don't see the right things. And when in that situation you're saying, I, none of these things move me. It doesn't matter. I still believe I'm healed. I still call my bills paid. I still call everything. That pleases your father greatly. Pleases him. This is what faith is all about. So anyway, he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Can you see the man tried to put all the responsibility on Jesus? Didn't he say, if you can do something, do it. Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, no. If you can believe. Come on, can you see? He he turned the tables. Listen to another account of Darby's translation. He said the if you could, in quotations, is if you could believe. (laughs) All things are possible to him that believes. The Good News translation says, yes, said Jesus, if you yourself can, everything's possible to the person who has faith. Is it up to the will of God? Is it just all based on what God can do? No. No. We don't receive according to the perfect will of God. We don't receive according to the almighty power of God. We don't receive according to what we need. We don't receive according to what we greatly desire. Wanting something won't cause it to happen. Needing something won't cause it to happen. How will we receive according to these scriptures? How? According to what? I'm going to receive the thing I'm wanting or needing 
or not receive it. Based on what? It's going to happen according to my faith. If that's true, and it's the words of Jesus, we ought to be highly interested, greatly interested in getting us some faith. Is that right? And our faith getting stronger, feeding our faith, building our faith, exercising our faith, releasing in faith. And isn't that what the scripture said? We are justified by faith. We receive by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We overcome by faith. We please God by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Hallelujah. Now there, I think there are some people that are trying to replace faith with other things. But uh, you can't. It just doesn't work. You cannot replace faith with anything else. Go with me please. In the scriptures. To uh, Luke. The 17th chapter. You still believing with me? Luke 17. Luke 17 and 5. Jesus had talked to them about forgiveness. And um, Peter mentioned that he figured X amount of times ought to be plenty to forgive somebody. And then basically, I guess he's saying, you know, then you mark them off your book. You just go, forget them. And the Lord said, no, multiply that. And uh, when he said, well, back up to verse uh, 4. If he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Which is a real revelation, you forgive by faith, not by feeling. You can have feelings toward folks that's not nice, and yet... You have forgiven them. I'm going to say that again real slow. You can have feelings toward people that's not nice. And yet, by faith, by faith, you have already, not trying to, not working on it, you have already forgiven them because it's not based on how you feel, it's a choice. And faith is a choice. This is one of the great things to learn about faith. Faith is a choice. Say say it out loud everybody. Faith Faith is a choice. It's a choice to believe something. It's a choice. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that. That's not true. There's no such thing as a person that can't believe something. What they should say is, I choose not to. By very nature of what faith is, you don't have to understand it to believe it. You don't have to see it to believe it. You don't have to feel it to believe it. You just have to choose to believe it. You know, if I told you something and it sounded amazing to you or bizarre to you, can you believe it? I told you I saw something or I heard something or something that was spectacular or bizarre. And you look at me 
What do you have to decide now? <laughs> Is he making this up? or Right? Could you believe it? You could look at me and go, well, that sounds crazy. But I know Brother Keith, and if he said he saw it, I believe he did. You could. Or you could say, I, I don't believe that. You're making a decision about me. Not just what I said. You're making a decision about me. And every time it comes to believing God, that's what's happening. You're making a decision about him. Is he real? Is it impossible for him to lie? Is he faithful? You're making a decision about him. And uh, when they said increase our faith, that lets us know, like we said last week, if you say increase my faith, that means you believe you have some. Didn't just say give us some faith. Increase. You, that means you believe you have some. But you're thinking I need more. So what did Jesus say to him? The Lord said. If you had faith. As a grain of mustard seed. Now there is the side of this. That would deal with what a seed is. And how it works. But it also has to do with amount. Because that's what they're talking about. Increase. We want more. So he mentions to them one of the smallest things they are familiar with. A mustard seed. Which is a tiny seed. Tiny seed. He said if you had faith like that. You would what? You might say other translations say you would say. If you had faith like that. What 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 Jesus say would happen next? You would say. You would say. You would say. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to this sycamine tree, "Be thou plucked up by the root." Now let's just stop right here. Be thou plucked up. Who are you talking to? This is not prayer. I said, this is not prayer. This is not pleading with God to do something about the tree. And yet this is what religion teaches. Beg God to do something with the tree. And if it's his will, he, he'll do something. And, and if nothing happens, it must not have been his will. And you just need to submit yourself to the will of God. Well, you do need to submit yourself to the will of God. And the will of God is that he told you to have faith. And not beg, but speak. And believe that what you said. So submit to that. Instead of making up your own thing and replacing what he said to do. That means you're speaking to it. If you want something out of your life, what do you need to do? Beg and plead with God to take it away. Is that what most Christians are doing? Yes. Beg and plead with God. Take it away. No. What, what did he say do? If you want something out of your life. Well if I only had enough faith. Do you have any faith? Yes. <laughs> Mustard seed is about as small. As he could have described to them. He said if you had faith. Like that. You would say. Be plucked up. Be planted in the sea. And it should obey you. 
Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for faith. What we need to understand is that faith is a most powerful force. You don't need much. I said, you don't need much. Mustard seed faith will rip trees out of the ground and throw them in the ocean. Well, I need more faith. How much more do you need? How much do you need? I know you don't need a handful. Because <laughs> mustard seed will rip trees out of the ground. Well, I need, I need a lot. How much do you need? You need a truckload of faith? That'd blow the universe apart. <laughs> you don't need a truckload of faith. How many believe you have some faith? Then you got that much. You got that much. Is he teaching them? And in the teaching there's some correction and there's some understanding. They're saying we need more. We need more. Did he say yeah you're right. You need a whole lot more. No what did he say? Let me paraphrase. You need to use what you've got. You need to release what you've got. Through your words. Oh. This is worth you combing your hair and coming out this morning. Right here. Is that right? You need to use what you got. You need to release. This is also the key to getting more. You use it. It develops. You exercise it. It's like a muscle. It becomes stronger. It becomes bigger. That's how it develops. But pleading and begging, it's not going to change anything. You, you've got faith, but it's not happening. Go to Numbers, uh, excuse me, Acts, Acts 14, please. Acts, the 14th chapter. Glory to God. Faith is potent stuff. I'm telling you. It is amazingly powerful force. It is the same force God created the universe with. It's exactly the same force. In fact, anybody familiar with Mark 11, 23 and 24? Are you familiar with 23, 22 rather? He said, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Actually, the literal says, have the faith of God. Or as some say, have the God kind of faith. Well, the faith we have came from Him. It's His faith. It's a measure of His faith. It's the same faith He created the worlds with Just obviously a substantially smaller measure. But he intends for us to develop in it. And he's got plans for us. Past this life. Past this world. And we're supposed to be learning faith. Developing in faith now. Preparing for that. We're not just supposed to have faith when we're born again. And have faith when we die that we'll go to heaven. 
And what do we do in between? No, faith is how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to walk. That's every day. You need to roll out of bed and put your feet on the floor in faith. You need to get ready in faith. You need to drive to work in faith. Come on, are you with me? You need to deal with your customers in or your clients in faith. What is that? Well, instead of griping and fussing and pushing and pressing, you're believing God. Instead of talking bad over it, you're talking good over it. Come on, can you see this? Somebody darts in front of you, driving to work, and you have to run off the road to keep from hitting them. You don't cuss. You don't uh, make ugly signs. You don't do all this kind of stuff. You don't say, what in the world are these crazy drivers? That's not living by faith. You say, thank you, Lord, for protecting me. And then you remind yourself, the angels of the Lord encamp round about me. Thank you, Lord, for guiding me. And they may not, you know, acting like that, they may not even know you. So, Lord, I'm asking you to send laborers across their path. They may have a lot more problems than bad driving. Right? There's a faith way to respond, and there's a flesh way to respond. And we are, we're not just supposed to get born again by faith and then when we die go to heaven by faith. All this time in between. Every day. Every night. Everything. We're supposed to be positive. We're supposed to be believers. Using our words instead of gripe and complain about it. Using our words to change it. Change it. What good does griping do? Complaining. What good's that going to do? You get through griping for three days, you're going to feel worse. It's going to be the same. Are we made in his likeness and image? Did he say be imitators of God as dear children? What would God do about that situation? He'd gripe. He wouldn't gripe. Certainly wouldn't cuss. Huh? What would he do? He'd say something. Is that right? And it would change. That's what you do. Am I talking about you? That was a little weak. Am I talking about you or not? I said that's what you do. You don't gripe. You don't fuss. You don't cuss. What do you do? You speak faith over it. And it changes. Hallelujah. Some things change right away. Some things it takes a little time. But still it changes. Acts 14. Verse 7, there they preached the gospel at these Lystra, Derby, cities of Lycaonia. They preached the gospel. And there stood a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak. Now they preached the gospel. This man heard what Paul preached. That's how faith comes. Paul was steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Let's stop right here. Is the man healed? No. Is anything happening in his body? No. Does he have faith to be healed? Yes. Is he in the process of getting faith to be healed? No. No. Will he soon have faith to be healed? No. He had faith to be healed. He has, where did he get faith to be healed? From hearing what Paul preached. 
What did Paul preach? The gospel. Healing must be a part of the gospel. If we're preaching the same gospel Paul preached, people who hear it will not only get faith to be born again, they'll get faith to be healed too. And if you never talked about healing, people are not going to get faith to be healed. And if you told them sometimes it's God's will to heal them, sometimes it's not, also you could not get faith to be healed. They must have heard things like himself took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains by his stripes, you're healed. They must have heard it had been provided for and was God's will, just like forgiveness of sin. And this man is sitting there, not healed, and yet he has faith to be healed. And he might have thought, I need more faith. But did he need more faith? Uh Uh-uh. What needs to happen? He needs to use the faith he has. Faith can be inert. It can be inactive. James uses the word dead. It's real. It's there. But it's inactive. Dead faith won't get your bills paid. Won't get your babies healed. Did you hear me? And yet, and yet, it's there. It's there. They said, Lord, increase our faith. He said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, what happened? You would say. You would use that faith. You would release that faith. You would act that faith. And it would be done for you. Are these the words of Jesus? Some, some wild-eyed preacher or the head of the church? Paul perceived that the man what? Had faith to be healed. He's sitting there with faith to be healed, but not healed. wonder if that's been repeated many, many times over. Somebody's got, they got faith for the bills to be paid, but the bills are not paid and they're not getting paid. They got faith to be healed, but healing is not showing up. What happened? Verse 10. Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Why did he do this? He's got to get him to use that faith. If we're going to get any results, he's got to use that faith. It's in him, but he's got to act on it somehow. And the Spirit of God prompted him how to get him to release his faith. Stand upright on your feet. And he did. He'd never taken a step in his whole life. From his mother's womb, he's this way. He leaped and he walked. And it happened just that fast. Just like that. If mustard seed faith would rip trees out of the ground. Throw them in the ocean. It can fix muscles. It can repair bones. Is that right? It can restore livers, lungs. It can kill cancer. It can cause tumors to disintegrate. I wish I had enough faith. How much you need? How much do you need? It's not a matter of just trying to get this enormous faith. It's a matter of using what we have. Oh, somebody say, use what you have. Use. Use the faith. 
that you have. Glory to God. Use the faith that you have. Go to James 2, please. James 2. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. You don't have to climb the highest mountain. You don't have to swim the widest sea. Romans talks about this. He said, what is it? The word's close to you. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. It's in your mouth. He said, it's close. It's nigh. It's close. In fact, go there before you go to James. Go to Romans 10. On your way to James. Stop by there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're very close to some great things. Can you sense it? We're, we're very close to some great things. Just a matter of releasing our faith. Romans 10. He's talking about living by faith. And he said, uh, verse 6, Romans 10, 6, The righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. You hear people talking about, well, we got to pray and get, get, you know, bring God down, get God to move and, and bring him down from heaven to do something in the earth. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> what says it? The word is nigh thee. Nigh means close. We'd say near. Near you, close to you. What's close to me? It's as close. The answer is so close. It's right under your nose. Where's your mouth? Right under your nose. Even in your mouth and in your heart. Here's the great revelation. Faith is not only supposed to be in your heart. It's got to be in your mouth. Faith has got to be in your heart and in your mouth. Somebody say, in my heart and in my mouth. He said, it's the word of faith, which we preach, that if you will what? Confess with your mouth, being as clear as you can possibly be, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. This is Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three, That whoever will say and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Let me go back to Romans 10, where we were. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is my Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will have what you say. Jesus will become your Lord. Hallelujah. And you will be saved. Oh, can you see this? You'll be saved. You'll have what you said. This is how you get born again. And this is how you're supposed to live every day and night after you're born again. By exactly the same principle. You and I needed a miracle. A miracle to miss hell and go to heaven. Our righteousness was completely unacceptable 
We could not make ourselves worthy enough. We could not save ourselves. Our spirits were dead and alienated from God. We didn't need healing. Healing wouldn't do it. We needed a recreation miracle of our spirit. And you've already believed for it. And you've already received it. Anybody in here been born again? Come on, I want to see. Have you been born again? How did you get born again? You heard. You heard the good news. And you made a decision to believe that good news. And by faith you received that good news. And you had it in your heart. And you confessed him with your mouth. And you were gloriously born again. A miracle happened inside you. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You are, come on, say it out loud. I am, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, what if somebody was in the service, we had an altar call, and said, um, you know, do you know the Lord? No. You ever gave your heart to the Lord? No. Well, come on, receive him. I don't think I have enough faith yet. What do you mean? Did you hear the message? Yeah. You think that's right? Yeah. Well, come receive it. I just don't think my faith is there. What do you mean? Did you hear the message? Yes. <laughs> Will you believe it? Yeah, I might be willing to believe it, okay, but, but I don't know if I have enough faith. That's deception. That's confusion. If you've heard the message, faith came. What's the only question now? Will you use the faith that just came? From hearing that word. Will you act on it? Will you get up? Will you come down? Will you confess out of your mouth? Jesus is my Lord. If you will. That's enough faith. To receive one of the biggest miracles you'll ever receive. In your existence. (laughs) Somebody say thank you Lord. Verse 10. For with the heart. Man believes. Under righteousness. And. Somebody say and. 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 And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Your confession is how you release the faith. I mean, how are you going to release faith to be born again? There are different actions of faith. But, you know, jumping off a housetop or running around the building or doing a backflip, that's not going to help you be born again. What, how do you release that faith? You do it through your words. In James, second chapter, please. James chapter 2. He was talking, James was talking about faith, faith and patience in this first chapter. And he talked about not being uh, asked in faith and don't be double-minded. And uh, then in the latter part of James 1, he talked about being a doer of the word. Did he change subjects from faith? No, still talking about faith. Being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And in the second chapter, in verse 14, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and have not works? Now, it's a little bit, it's been misleading for some people that word works because 
they're thinking about Romans and Galatians and other places where it talks about the works of keeping the law or the works of the flesh. But you don't want to associate it with that. If faith doesn't have an action, is what he's talking about. And you can see that very clearly. Can faith without an action save him? What's the answer? No. Is it possible to have faith and get no results? That's what he's talking about. Verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Well, that sounds like a blessing or a faith statement, doesn't it? Be warmed, be filled, go in peace. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. You don't, you said the Lord dealt with me that you should be warmed and, and uh, filled. So be warmed and filled. <laughs> are they now warmed and filled? No. no. Uh-uh. I really believe you should be warmed and filled. I mean, it's one of the strongest beliefs I have. Are they now warmed and filled? I really, really believe you should be warmed and filled. He said, what does, you don't give me anything. What does it profit? He's using this as an example. Verse 17, even so, just like that, faith, if it has no action... It's dead, being alone. Is there such a thing as dead faith? Yes, there is. Inactive, faith not acted on. Yes. Verse 18. A man may say, you have faith, I have action. Show me your faith without your action. I'll show you my faith by my action. Can you see this? Thank you, Lord. He he goes on, verse 20. Will you know, O vain man, faith without action is dead. He gives the example of Abraham. He gives the example of of Rahab. And he, he finishes up in 26. As the body without the spirit is what? Dead. So faith, just in the same way, faith without works or action is dead also. This has got nothing to do with doing good works to be saved. This has nothing to do with doing works to be justified and accepted of God. That's not what he's talking about. What's he talking about? Faith. And faith has to have an action to release the faith. We know this. With bombs, with uh, a um, rifle or a, a pistol cartridge. The power is there in the gunpowder. Right? But what has to happen? It's got to be released. Right? Something has to release the power. That's, it's there. It's latent. Can't say it's not there. But unless something releases the power that's in that, it won't propel the the bullet out the barrel. And you and I, we've been to church, we've been to meetings, we've seen broadcasts, we've heard sermons. We got some faith in us. 
We got some gunpowder in us. I said, we do. And I know you got mustard seed gunpowder. I know, I know you do. I think you got more than that. I think you got more than that. Well, is that enough? Well, how much do you need? Mustard seed will rip trees out of the ground. <laughs> this is potent stuff. What's been the deal? See, Mark eleven twenty three. put it up on the screen again. Mark eleven twenty three. Verily I say to you, whoever, whosoever shall say, count it out loud, say. Every time you see say, count it. Every time you see believe, say it. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he saith. He talks three times more about saying than he does believing. Why? Because people are not missing it primarily in the believing part. They're missing it in the releasing part. You know as well as I. Now you know around here we make confessions. But visitors come in. It sounds strange to them. He keeps saying say this. Say that. Why would he say all that? Because their whole life they went to church and did this. (laughs) But they didn't do this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Money, come into my life. Satan, I bind you. Fever, be gone in Jesus' name. Growth, I command you to die. Dry up, wither away. Hmm? Be bound. Be loosed. Go. Come. Happen. Do most church going people do that? No. Uh-uh. The church has lost it. And it's no accident that the church has lost it because the enemy has worked overtime to get it away from the church because he knows if he can get that away from you and you just say, we believe, we believe, we really believe, we believe. he go, yes, you do, and that's good. <laughs> but don't do anything. Don't, don't do anything. Don't say anything and don't do anything. Just believe like a good little believer. And so you got faith, but it is dead faith. And it won't save you. It won't heal you. It won't get your bills paid. Come on, can you see this? Now, in in James 2, having talked extensively about faith without action is dead, notice what chapter 3 talks about. This was not written in chapter and verse. What does faith without action flow right into? My brethren, James 3.1, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or, or, or judgment. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, in what you say, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle or to control the whole body. You can control your whole body if you control your words. Never call a part of your body bad. My bad knee. My weak eye. I got a sensitive stomach. 
got a weak back. Well, if you say so, you decree a thing. It'll be that way to you. But faith calls the weak strong. You feel that knee wanting to buckle on you. You slap a hand on that knee. You say, knee, listen to me. You're my knee. <laughs> and in this body, my word is king. I mean, I can't just say anything over your body, but in my body, King Keith is the word. Has a nice ring to it, don't it? King Keith. <laughs> really, sometimes we laugh about it. She says, well, if you were president, well, I said, no, president don't cut it. I'd want to be king. <laughs> president don't have enough power. <laughs> and I'd need a lot of protection because I'd do some stuff. <laughs> we're believing for good things to happen, too, though. We, we are. We are. We are. We're believing for, we need, we need to pray for our leaders. But you say, me? I speak to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I call you strong. Yes. You will serve me well as long as I live. Yes. You get a report. Your liver's not right. You get a report. Your kidney's not right. Don't just go, well, I, you got, what'd they say? My left kidney's bad. Maybe that's how it is. You want it to change. Yes. Call it something else. Yes. You got faith in you. Yes. Use it. Yes. He said, Verse 3, behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us and turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. How big of a forest fire can result from a tiny little spark and match. Why is he bringing that up? He said that's how words work in your life. It can start out so small. It can seem so insignificant and inconsequential. Just like the striking of a match. But when you look at the big picture. That huge forest fire is just not a matter of too far down the road. You may need a forest fire of work in your body. You may need a giant container cargo ship size provision coming into your life. You may need a big horse size problem directed away from you. You don't need, we don't need to just beg God, beg God, beg God, beg God. What do we need to do? When you leave the service, you know, you don't just start up the car, put it in drive, sit on your hands, and kick the accelerator, and go, no, 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 I don't want to go that way. No, no, I want to go that way, I want to go that way, and you just run into something or go down the wrong road. Please, Lord, please, Lord, help me go north. Please, please, help me north, north. I want to go north, north, north. You must steer the car. Is that right? And when you first turn the wheel, it's not going exactly where you want it to, but in a matter of time, it's going to work its way over there. Ships 
huge ships. They don't turn on a dime. But you take that relatively small rudder and helm, change the course. And that great big ship in that great big ocean with those great big winds begins to change course. Works on everything. I said it works on everything. Had a fellow one time come to me at healing school. And he said, can I talk to you on the side here, Brother Keith? I said, yeah. He said, he said uh, I smoke and I'm tired of smoking and I want to quit and, and I'm trying to hide it. And I said, well, a lot of people smoke. Uh, he, I said, the Lord loves you. And he said, I know, but I want to quit. He said, but I've tried everything. I've thrown away cartons and cartons of cigarettes I've been prayed for. I've had hands laid on me I don't know how many times. I've been, I've had it rebuked and bound and cast out and, 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 and I still smoke. I still smoke and I, I can't help it. I just, I, I go back to it and, and I can't help it. And I'm, I'm bound to nicotine. I, I just, I got an addiction to nicotine. I'm, I'm, I'm in bondage to nicotine. And I said, well, will you, will you do something? He said, what if I can? He said, don't ask me to throw them away. I've thrown them away hundreds of times. And, and, and I've been prayed for too. I, I don't know what you're going to do. But I said, no, will you do what I He said, if I can. I said, it's easy. He said, what? I said, never again say I'm bound to nicotine. He said, but I am. <laughs> he said, this ain't no ordinary habit, Brother Keith. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, everybody thinks that. I said, you're not understanding. Faith doesn't talk what it sees. It doesn't talk what it has experienced. It doesn't talk what the reports are, what the test is. It talks what it believes. He said, well, I don't, I don't know. What, what. I said, just listen. You can do this if you will. I said, every time you do anything in any connection with smoking, I want you to open your mouth and say, I am free from cigarettes. I said, when you buy cigarettes. He said, I'm buying cigarettes? I said, if you buy cigarettes. When you get to the car, you say, I'm free from cigarettes. When you take a pack out, you say, thank you, Lord. I am free from cigarettes. When you open the pack, when you pull one out, you light it up and you take a puff. You say, thank you, Lord. I am free from cigarettes. In between puffs, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. When you put the cigarette out, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. When you put the pack back in your pocket, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. When you lay down at night, you pull it out, put it on your nightstand, you say, thank you, Lord, I am free from cigarettes. I'm free from smoking. He said, but I'll be smoking. I said, what are you doing now? He said, I'm smoking. I said, so? He said, but I'll be smoking. I said, yeah, I know. I said, you've tried all this other stuff, hadn't you? Why won't you do this? I don't know if I can. You don't know if you can say this? Yeah, but I'll be smoking. I said, look at me in the eye here. (laughs) Say it out loud. Thank you, Lord. I am not trying to get, not working on it, not needing, I am free. Work just as well on I am free from heroin. I am free from cocaine. I am free from meth. 
People say, yeah, but you don't understand, uh, you know, meth, the meth addiction. No, you underestimate the power of God. I, it doesn't matter. I know man can't do it. It can be bigger than what you can fix. But if you'll just give him something to work with. I said, let me hear you say it. Let me hear you say it. I, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, but I said, hmm, hmm. <laughs> Tell me again. I am free from cigarettes. I said, say it with some feeling. I am free from cigarettes. I said, exactly. Now, did you do it every time? Anything reminds you of smoking? Will you do it? He said, okay. So he left. Two weeks later, he comes through the back door. I didn't have to ask him anything. His face beaming like light. I knew he was trying to get to me. At the end of the service, I said, what's going on? He said, I'm free. I'm, I'm free. I said, you are? He said, I'm telling you, Brother Keith. He said, I, I thought you were kind of nutsy. He said, <laughs> he said, but uh, I left. And, and tell you the truth, I, was, I wasn't really going to do it. You know, I, was, I messed around with it and I wasn't going to do it. But he said, the Lord prompted me. Do what he told you. And so I would do it. And he said, as the days went by, didn't take too many days, I got into a habit of it. And I just say it almost without thinking. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from nicotine. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. Thank you, Lord, I'm free. Thank you, Lord, I'm free. Thank you, Lord, I'm free. How much of a difference is that than saying, I'm bound to nicotine? I can't get free. I've tried everything. Nothing works for me. He said it was about... Uh, almost two weeks. He said, I was on the street corner, about to cross the street. I was by a light pole. He said, I, I was taking my last drag off my cigarette, and I was going to put it out, and, and, and I'm going to have it. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm, 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 I'm free. I'm free. He said, it hit me. He said, I am free. He put it out. He said, I'm free. I know I'm free. He said, I know people might have thought I was crazy on the street corner, but he thought, I am free. He said, I don't even want them anymore, Brother Keith. I'm free. I'm free. I'm really, really free. Was he waiting on God to deliver him? Was he waiting on God's timing? Uh -uh. The Lord would have done that for him years ago. Right? Was he waiting until he could get enough faith? He had faith. Come on, can you see this? He needed to use his faith. He needed to release his faith. And he did it with the words of his mouth. And it released power. Hallelujah. Just like believing in his heart, confessing with his mouth, released power for him to be born again. Believing in his heart, speaking with his mouth, released power to change his body. So that it no longer craved that nicotine. Oh, come on, can you see this? To change his body. On the inside. Is that not what this scripture said? If you control your words, you can control your entire body. Is that what it said? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He is the apostle and the high priest of what comes out of our mouth. He works with not just empty vain words, but if you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, he works with it, uses it. To do great things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand up everybody. Glory be to God. 
Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.